This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 8th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has made it perhaps a bit harder for law enforcement to target doctors they believe are prescribing pain medication inappropriately. And still, that hasn't stopped some states from moving ahead with plans to crack down even further. Cato's Jeff Singer explains why proper pain management is something law enforcement knows basically nothing about. The overdose crisis, as you put it, uh, has been exacerbated by a pandemic. Uh, Governments from the Justice Department to state attorneys general have tried to, as best they can, uh, pin this, for lack of a better phrase, on pharmaceutical companies and physicians. And uh, as you've long said, this is probably not the best way to look at it. That's correct. Um, In fact, uh, as I pointed out over and over again, uh, there's a Evidence that strong evidence that the overdose crisis has actually been on an exponential growth trend, at least since the late 70s. A congressional report recently said actually overdoses started up in the late 50s. And uh, I've always argued that it's primarily due to a a growing number of people who are non-medical using drugs, intersecting with the fact that we have drug prohibition, which makes these drugs more dangerous. And so... It's a bad combination where you have uh, people, of course, obtaining drugs that uh, you don't know the dose, you don't know what's in it, you don't even know if it's what they say they are, and there's a whole lot of people dying. But, but back in the early part of this century, there were some obvious cases where doctors, pharmacists, et cetera, were teaming up and basically using their, their degrees as a cover to be drug dealers. Uh, there's no question. There were people who were under the, under the guise of being uh, operating uh, clinics were basically distribution service because there's a lot of money in it for them. And of course, I say, if you want to blame anything for that, again, you blame prohibition because when a doctor, like one who was arrested in Newport Beach, California for selling Oxycontin prescriptions for $600 per prescription at a Starbucks on Tuesday mornings, uh, that certainly is more lucrative than trying to practice medicine. So, um, but what makes it lucrative? Of course, it's drug prohibition. Nevertheless, uh, based on that, uh, law enforcement has been cracking down on doctors who are prescribing opioids. And by the way, the almost the overwhelming majority of overdose deaths are what they call polysubstance deaths. They involve uh, opioids, which is a whole class of drugs, including prescription pain pills, but also illicit fentanyl. And 90% of opioid overdoses deaths now are illicit fentanyl, but it's always in combination with cocaine, methamphetamine, alcohol, uh, Xanax, uh, it's a well, polysubstance, what we call it. And um, uh, but with law enforcement and legislatures cracking down on doctors prescribing because they're convinced this is the source of it, prescription rates have plummeted. Um, and... Uh, pain patients are really suffering. Many patients who had their pain controlled on long-term steady doses of opioids, uh, their doctors have either abruptly, involuntarily tapered them, sending them back into a life of pain and and disability, and some in desperation have sought relief on the black market, whereas they've sometimes gotten counterfeit pills that killed them, or some have turned to suicide. Uh, some doctors are refusing to see any patients in pain anymore. We have this uh, group of people now called pain refugees, where their doctors have said, I'm not seeing you anymore, cutting them off, and then they, and they can't find anybody to take them. It's horrible. And this is what's happened. Meanwhile, of course, while it's been going on, what's happened to the overdose rate is skyrocketing because there's no correlation between the prescription pill numbers 
and the overdose rate, because it's not about prescribing. So meanwhile, there was this uh, great case, a very important case, rather, I should say, where one of these doctors, Dr. Uh, Ruan, who is a board-certified pain specialist in Mobile, Alabama, uh, the law enforcement uh, arrested him for what they determined to be over-prescribing pain medicine. And it went to court, of course, in federal court, because they said he was violating the Federal Controlled Substances Act, which was passed back in uh, 1970. Uh, and the terminology they used is he was basically giving out opioid pills outside the scope of medical practice, which means you're not using it medically. And he tried to defend himself. He was convicted, uh, sent to 21 years in prison, uh, lost on appeal. And his argument was, you didn't get, you, you decided what you, law enforcement, decided what's appropriate prescribing. You didn't give me a chance to, to give a good faith defense. Uh, because at, at, as people know, doctors and me medicine is not like a closed science. Doctors are always having debates, serious good faith debates over what's the proper way to treat this or that condition, what's the right dose. There's no one size fits all. Different patients have different clinical situations. And, you know, when we I go to medical conferences, most of the conferences involve panels where different highly respected smart doctors are debating what's the best way to treat a situation. And you walk out of there, not necessarily with a, a, a solution, but with an, a deeper understanding of the issues. And then you got to make a decision. Well, law enforcement doesn't get that. So uh, uh, Dr. Ruan successfully argued before the Supreme Court, in fact, nine to nothing, that he needs to be permitted a good faith defense. Because, for example, uh, he wanted to offer as evidence uh, in his defense that the law enforcement actually sent in a sting, uh, undercover agents to do a sting operation on him. They're hoping to entrap him into prescribing opioids in an obviously un, un, inappropriate way. And they failed because he was being honest. He's being ethical. Um, he wanted to, to, pre, uh, to, to have witnesses uh, that he, his own expert witnesses come before the 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 jury and and point out that you know well there are differences of opinion and I might have done what he did in this situation, but he was not permitted to 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 offer those kind of of arguments and so so what basically happened is that uh, the the government's case was that we law enforcement we decide what the standard of care is for the treatment of pain patients based upon a group of experts whose opinions we value. And that's it. Now, I'm not a legal expert, and Trevor Burris has, has written about this. In fact, he wrote the, the amicus brief that the Cato Institute uh, filed on this. I filed an amicus brief as well, separately as an individual. Um, and he points out, and so did the amicus brief I was in, points out that if you're going to let uh, the federal, the feds, basically decide based upon their opinion what's the standard of medical practice that's actually an intrusion on state sovereignty because the states have licensing boards whose job it is is to determine the standard of care of uh, of of uh, a, a practice of the licensed healthcare professionals not the, the federal government so number one that's an intrusion and number two uh in most situations where there's uh a challenge that a, a healthcare practitioner, quote unquote, violated the standard of care. 
uh, or engaged in malpractice. These are civil cases. These aren't criminal cases. So, you know, um, when a doctor sued for malpractice, ostensibly the doctor violated the standard of care by engaging in malpractice. And but that's a tort case. That's not a criminal case. You don't go to jail for that. Uh, the big takeaway, I suppose, from the Supreme Court is that physicians need to knowingly uh, be prescribing uh, opioids in an aberrant or inappropriate way. And of course, as, as you point out, these these are broadly physicians who, as far as they're concerned, are providing appropriate care for their patients. Uh, to what extent have do you suspect states will look at this case and say, well, maybe we need to change how we're doing enforcement actions with respect to opioids? That's a tough call because a lot of times uh, the states, uh, it, it's the federal law enforcement that's that's the, the problem here. Uh, the, to, to be clear, the, the Supreme Court was nine to zero, but six of the justices said you have to prove that you knowingly and intentionally violated the law. The other three said you're entitled to have a good faith defense in every case, and you should not be denied that. So, uh, you know, they they all agreed that Dr. Ruan, uh, you know, he he's, he deserves a fair trial. That wasn't a fair trial, but uh, uh, there were there was nuances on, on the on the case law. Now, what concerns me is, well, many states, uh, the state I practice in Arizona, most recently have passed laws saying that if law enforcement wants to search through the prescription database, uh, looking to see if a doctor is prescribing what they consider to be inappropriately, they have to get a search warrant. Uh, and in addition to that, in, in my state of Arizona, the law says, and if you do a search and you don't find any law being broken, but you think a doctor is practicing in a funny kind of way, then the most you can do is refer that to the licensing board for them to look into, that's what their job is. That's not your job. So, uh, but the remainder of the states don't have that. And nevertheless, despite despite that, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the federal government, uh, believes that those laws don't apply to the federal government. There's actually a, a, a federal case involving New Hampshire right now where the DEA asked uh, to look at the prescription drug database in New Hampshire and there, the person who runs that database said, fine, just show us a warrant. That's our law in this state. And the DEA said, we're the feds. We don't have to show you a warrant. And that's uh, going That's through, going through the courts right now. And uh, just last week, disappointingly, uh, the Department of Justice uh, in New England, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office there, issued this announcement that they're forming a new uh, prescription opioid strike force. Uh, to go look through the practicing doctors in New England and see who is prescribing inappropriately, in their opinion. So it sounds to me like they didn't get the memo that uh, it's not up to you to decide who's dis prescribing inappropriately. It's up to you to, 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 to find who's violating, knowingly and intentionally violating the law. You know, the, the matter of appropriate or inappropriate prescribing is something that uh, is debatable among clinicians and is something for it's a standard of care issue or possibly a malpractice issue that that's taken up in it. That's a civil matter. Uh, and uh, uh, interestingly, also a law professor, Kelly Deneen, who's a professor at Creighton University Law School, published an excellent uh, Kansas Law Review 
article, I think it was 2018, where she outlined that there is no legal definition of overprescribing. So it's sort of like uh, sort of like pornography. I know it when, I, I, know it when I see it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so again, that makes things even more slippery. Law enforcement shouldn't be making what are normally the clinical, controversial clinical decision-making processes by good faith healthcare practitioners. That shouldn't be in their purview. That's not for them to, to, to weigh in on. I, I wonder uh, the extent to which the chilling effect on physicians who would otherwise be prescribing more uh, opioids to their patients uh, to help manage their pain, uh, I wonder to what extent that is actually driven by law fear of law enforcement that is showing shows absolutely no, no compunction about uh, arresting and charging people who, in uh, in good faith, are trying to do the best by their patients. Oh, I think it's it, it's an immense effect. Uh, I think that's probably the the number one driver. Uh, you hear these stories, and they, of course, they show them on the evening news of a doctor being walked out of his office in handcuffs, uh, and a, you know a strike force busts in through the the uh, the waiting room where a bunch of patients are seeing this, and even. And in many of these cases, these doctors end up never getting charged. Uh, I know of a couple of cases like that, but it doesn't matter because the damage to their reputation has been done and their, their practice is destroyed. Um, and and e even though they, they never got charged, never had to go to court. Um, but that's what's frightening most doctors. And then in other cases, you have so many doctors now are employed by, you know, hospitals or uh, it, multi large clinics. And their administrators are saying, we don't want our hospital or clinic having a task force, you know, swarm our buildings. So we're ordering our employed physicians to cut down on an opioid prescribing because uh, we don't want any trouble. So, yeah, that's a big driver. So uh, going forward, uh, you mentioned Arizona. Are there any other states that are doing this correctly as we sort of await this uh, other court case to move through the process? Well, yeah, there are 19 states uh, and it's very diverse in terms of, uh, you know, whether they're red states or blue states. So more recently, Utah became a state that did that, New Mexico, but California, New York, New Hampshire, um, Missouri, this, it, it doesn't break down based upon, you know, uh, Republican or Democratic controlled legislatures. It, it's, it breaks down. A, uh, it basically is just that, in fact, the law in Arizona that just recently was passed, passed unanimously through both houses and, and it was signed by the governor because it's, it's just a matter of, you know, the proper role of, of, uh, of law enforcement and, where states and federal government interface, it's relatively uh, non-controversial. Jeff Singer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>